Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. And welcome in. Lake Kick is live. It is Thursday night, September 9th, the year of our Lord, 2021. We're jam-packed. We are just hours away from the start of Week 2 College Football 2021. For my money, a very underrated weekend. Several of the games that are the reason for this weekend being underrated, we're going to touch on tonight. We've also got to do something that, to be honest with you, I didn't think we were going to be doing so early in the year. We've got an update, a mood tracker. And this mood tracker has shifted, and it has shifted radically over the past week, that, of course, being the LSU Tigers fan base. Nick Saban, none too pleased this week. All they did was skull drag Miami 44-13, to but he's got reason to feel the way he does. And some of you think it's an act. I don't. Uh, we will dive into that momentarily. Also, going to add a best bet to the Ramen Noodle Express. Not going to make you wait to the end of the show. The tease is over. Director Colin got my ear the other day. He said, shame on you. Slap me on the wrist. So we're going to lead the show with it in just a couple of minutes. And also, as I said, several more week two thoughts. You know it's a big weekend for the ACC. There are a couple of games. NC State at Miami or at Mississippi State's one of them. Pitt at Tennessee is one of them. If they drop both of those in conjunction with the disaster that was week one, not a good look for the ACC. They need those. They're favored. Small, but they're favored in both of those games. At Late Kick Josh, Twitter and Instagram is where you need to be. A reminder, twofold. Number one, we got the super secret off the record. We can't talk about it, but I'll do it anyway. Friday night gambling chat that happens over on Instagram Live. And there is a challenge that has been laid out. You heard it this morning. If you listen to the Late Kick Extra podcast, it just so happens that, again, we're going to be in the same town as College Game Day this Saturday after the show tonight. We're going to pack our bags. We're going to head up to Ames, Iowa tomorrow for the Iowa-Iowa State game. And as I said the other night, it would, it would just be unfortunate if you turned on College Game Day Saturday that does not air on our network but another network and you saw a bunch of Pate State posters behind the set. Wouldn't that be a shame? Uh, and it was, it was equally as big a shame that I tweeted out the high-resolution images of the logo so you could download them, but also... A more direct challenge. Any of you who actually pulls that off and can prove it to me is getting something for free. Not available to the public. We don't sell them contractually. We can't sell them right now, but we got them and you will have them. So anyone who pulls it off and important follow up here can prove to me that you did it. There will be something coming your way. Okay, before we start tonight, let's start on best bets. The Ramen Noodle Express, I've already handed out Memphis and Oklahoma State and Texas State. We're going to show you that graphically in just a second, so you don't have to follow along that quickly. So we got Memphis. I'm going to wait for the, uh, the picture to stop flickering because that, be, that would get me ripped in the comment section. Okay, here we go. So we got Memphis minus four. We got Oklahoma State minus 12. We've got Texas State plus one. We have Vandy. <coughs> it's, a, it's an organic cough. Just... It's tough to say it out loud, but yes, we are taking Vandy plus seven. And also another bet that we are adding to the Ramen Noodle Express tonight, Oregon and Ohio State, we are taking that one to go over the total at 63 and a half, also like it at 64, but we really want it 
at 63 and a half. Uh, so those are the ones that are on the record. It's not always a perfect number every week. I don't just automatically put out five. So I can tell you confidently, because I've seen the numbers, we have several other games that are leaned that I have not moved on yet. Uh, it would greatly behoove you. You know how frequently I like to use that word. Confluence and behoove works its way into every single show. But it would behoove you greatly to make sure you're checking out the super secret can't talk about it publicly late night gambling chat tomorrow night on Instagram Live. That is our working title right now. I don't know what the acronym is. It's like the whole alphabet. Uh, also, Friday Night Lines is a really good name. But anyway... There could be more handed out, is what I'm telling you. could happen on Twitter 15 minutes after the show ends tonight. Line movement is always happening. The numbers are always getting refreshed. And new information is always coming in. How many of you knew that JT Daniels probably wouldn't play for Georgia on Sunday? See what I mean? So that kind of stuff happens all the time. So uh, that is where we are right now. Those are the five if you're seeing them on the screen. And I will read those again. Memphis, Texas State, Ohio State over, Oklahoma State, and Vanderbilt. All right, let's dive into the actual show tonight. And we have to do a segment that is just a staple of late kick in the spring. And really, after the national championship game, but before signing day, we talk about it a lot. And we certainly do it over the summer months. But rarely are we doing what we're about to do this early in the year. Because rarely have moods changed so rapidly and so violently as they have in this case this early in the year. But it's happening, so we got to talk about it. Colin, a natural endpoint for you right here. Let's talk Mood Tracker, and let's talk the LSU Tiger fan base, because I think this has radically shifted just in the past week. And you may look, if you were paying attention in the preseason, if you were immersed in preview magazine culture, and you heard the supreme confidence from down in Tigerland, and it was on full display, you may think to yourself, if you're just a casual college football fan, you may say, how can they be going from confident to radically shifting on anything after just four quarters of football? Well, it's about being scorned. That's what it's about. That is the mood, by the way, of LSU Tiger Nation at the moment. It is scorned. And if you want to know how it can change that rapidly, all you have to do is watch any cheating movie or or listening to any cheating song in the very town that we reside in would probably do the trick for you, too. Because you've seen the movies before. The movie where there's probably some infidelity, but then there's a makeup. And the couple chooses to move past it. So you've hurt me. But we have reconciled. You have promised me that you have seen the error of your ways and you're a changed person. And so we're going to move on together hand in hand. And there's still a hole there in my heart, but we're going to try and fill it and we're going to try and bridge it. and We're going to try and move on. You see, there's a lot of goodwill in that formula and there's a lot of mutual trust and there's a lot of working together that has to happen. But if one side can meet the other side in the middle, then we can move forward. But what happens When all of a sudden, your guy comes home, you know, three weeks later, random Tuesday night, and you smell an odd perfume on the shirt collar. Well, how radically would things change? Because that's kind of what happened with LSU and Ed Orgeron. Last year sucked. It was just bad. And it all but erased the memory of 2019. Now, in reality, that doesn't happen. You'll always have 2019. But as it relates to Ed Orgeron, people quickly forgot about 2019 when they thought about Ed Orgeron. And last year was a disaster, but understandably so, there were a lot of people in that fan base that were willing to because of how magic 2019 was and how unwinnable and untenable in many ways 2020 was, they were willing to dismiss it. No one wants to talk about it anymore as long as you rectify the situation. 
There is a hole in our heart from 2020, but it's okay as long as you can rectify the situation, as long as you made proper hires, which you told me you have, as long as you have a proper plan in place, which you've told me you have, as long as we've got the good enough roster, which signing day and recruiting rankings and services, and you have told me we have, then we're moving forward, right? Okay, but what happens when it all goes up in smoke? Then all of a sudden, you have a radical shift in mood. That's what's happening at LSU right now. you got to understand something. This is a proud fan base. They are fiercely loyal. They are passionate almost to a fault. And if you're selling them something that they believe in, they'll fight for you. Even if you lose a game, they will fight for you as long as you're selling them something that coincides with what they believe LSU football is supposed to be about. It's not about winning every game. They want to. They expect to. But it's not about winning every game, and as soon as we drop one, we turn on you. That's not it. As long as you are embodying something that LSU is supposed to be, they're going to fight for you. But I'm going to tell you what they're not going to tolerate at all, and they're done tolerating it right now. They're not going to tolerate you telling them you fixed all the cracks in the dam, and then you show up week one, and you find out all you did was slap duct tape on the dam. And the minute UCLA applied an ounce of water pressure, here come the leaks. And then here comes the drip, drip, drip burst, and then all of a sudden we get embarrassed on the West Coast. They're not going to handle you getting out physical, out coached, out adjusted. They're not going to handle looking like we're getting out athleted against a team we know good and well is full of guys that couldn't have gotten an LSU offer because that's what happened last week. They're not going to tolerate that, and I'll tell you what else they're not going to tolerate. They're not going to tolerate never having their team on the field, either on Saturday or in practice, because half of them are in the training room. I know you can't assign specific blame injury to injury, but when you have a chronic problem, it is a strength and conditioning issue. It is something that has to be overhauled. So there's, there's top-down problems there right now, and I haven't even mentioned anything off the field. I haven't mentioned any board of trustee members that have had bridges burned with Ed Orgeron. I haven't mentioned how you know, maybe the university's tried to help him out a little bit and he's turned a cold shoulder to it. There's an attitude that you can have when you're a winner and there's an attitude you can have and there's an amount of baggage that will be tolerated when you're producing. When you're not producing, you can't do the stuff Ed Orgeron does right now and you can't run the kind of program he's running right now. So there's an interesting month ahead with LSU because I am telling you rapidly has the support evaporated there, rapidly. I know a bunch of LSU folks. I reached out to several of them today to kind of bounce my feeling off of them. They wanted me to go harder than this. They just want to outright torch and pitchfork that whole place right now. Um, You know my thoughts on hot seat talk. I don't really do it. But I will tell you, they got McNeese this Saturday. They've got Central Michigan. You're looking at the roster if you're uh, watching on YouTube or you're looking at the schedule. And then I want you to think about this stretch. If you're listening on the podcast, just close your eyes unless you're driving. And I want you to picture what you think LSU football is right now. Chronic problems on the line of scrimmage, totally undisciplined, can't stay healthy, uh, don't have enough consistent and dependable speed on the field at receiver, which I didn't think I was going to be saying. Cannot trust the tailbacks. One of them's not even academically eligible right now. And so there's a whole bunch of question marks about the team, and you tell me how you think the stretch of at Mississippi State, Auburn, at Kentucky, Florida, at Ole Miss, at Bama, Arkansas, UL Monroe, and Texas A&M is going to turn out. If you are of the opinion that Ed Orgeron is not the right guy for this job, that stretch will take care of it for you. I am of the opinion that that stretch is going to force a move in Baton Rouge. That is my current opinion. 
And yeah, I know we're one game into the season, but that wasn't a case last week of UCLA just precision-style out-executing LSU. They lined up, and if we were to have taken the jerseys off of them and we would have just put generic garbage bags on both of them, you could not have picked the SEC team out. Or if you did, you would have been wrong. You would have picked the team that ended up wearing the sissy blue. That's what you would have picked as the SEC team. LSU folks aren't going to tolerate that. LSU folks shouldn't tolerate that. Do you know what kind of investment there is down there, both emotionally and financially? Do you know? If you haven't ever been there, I can tell you it's immense. It's immeasurable in many ways. It's incredible, but also if you're the leader inside that kind of culture, they expect a return because they look at you and they're dead right when they say it and they say, what do you need that we haven't given you? Over and above what you need, actually, what do you need to win that you don't have in abundance? Ed Orgeron cannot answer that question right now. He's got everything he needs in abundance, well above and beyond what 98% of the sport has. You can't get pushed around by UCLA. That can't ever happen. They tolerated 12 months of incompetence over there because they thought there were external factors that could be used as an excuse last year. They are not tolerating 24 months in a row of it. I don't think they are. Okay, let's move on. Rare, Colin, I mean rare to have a mood tracker this early in the season. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How about Academy Sports? It's going to be a great weekend. There's a lot of on-campus tailgating to be had. I'm headed up to Iowa State, and I cannot tell you how many invites we've had to various tailgates. Uh, Most of you are encouraging me to participate in activity that could get me fired, but I understand it's in good faith. It's in good spirits, Uh, but I am on the clock Saturday, although it may not look like it. I am on the clock, but you're not, and you can do whatever you want to. Just keep it in the lines and keep it legal, but before you do any of that, you need gear. You need the canopies, you need the grills, you need the jerseys to put on your back, and whatever you need, Academy Sports and Outdoors has got it. You guys reside in the Big 12. They are the official outdoor provider of the Big 12, as well as the SEC, but most importantly, of Late Kick Live itself. The only partner that we have agreed to have on this show is Academy Sports and Outdoors. And if you don't feel like fighting the traffic, or you don't live near one, that's fine. Academy.com. I have one note for this entire ad read, and it says academy.com. They sent me a script. I said, I'll be good. They also, full disclosure, when we were negotiating with Academy, they asked if I would wear an Academy shirt on the show every night. And I said, that is a great request. Here's what you need to know. If I wear anything other than a plain hobo, flood victim-ish white t-shirt look on my show, the crowd will revolt. 
and they will be like a lot of the ESPN viewers are with Applebee's right now. Applebee's is playing one of the worst commercials I've ever seen. And people are revolting against Applebee's. People would revolt if you took the white tea away. And so they didn't. Academy, uh, much to my surprise, and, and much to the opposite side of how these sorts of things normally work, they said, you know what, we'll trust you. Even though we're spending our money, we'll trust you. And so uh, you guys have responded. I mean, we keep getting screenshots of people going to academy.com and buying stuff just to say they bought stuff, uh, which they love and I love. And so if you need some stuff for this weekend or at any point in the season, Academy Sports and Outdoors, academy.com, that's the place for you. They are the official tailgate provider of Lake Cake. We move on. We're going to stay in the South for just a second. I've got several games to talk about, by the way, so keep it locked here. We're going to go all over the country in just a second. But there was something that happened in Tuscaloosa this week, and it was right after something happened in Atlanta, and that was a 44-13 convincing win, ultra-convincing win for Alabama over Miami in week one. And many of us would have been happy. Many of us would have been over-the-moon thrilled with a 44-13 win. But see, therein lies the catch-22 we would have been thrilled for the same reasons that we'll never be in position to blow out a top 20 team by a score of 44 to 13, even though we've replaced our entire offense. And that is most people are goal-oriented or result-oriented, over-process-oriented. Nick Saban knows it. He abhors it. One of his best quotes ever is, you know, the, the average person and the elite mentality, they don't get together. They, they don't, it's like oil and water. High achievers can't stand average folks, and average folks can't stand high achievers. Well, the problem is sometimes you get the most talented kids in America, but their mindset is not trained and as finely tuned as their athletic ability. And so you got to rewire them, and he's the best in the world at it. I think sometimes his talent is wasted just on being a football coach. He's that good at it. So this week, I'm going to play you some sound. We'll come back on the other side. This week, a couple of, it may have been yesterday or either two days ago, Nick Saban has his weekly press conference, and they're playing Mercer this Saturday. They are going to be somewhere between a 55 and 60-point favorite, so hashtag prayers for Mercer. You know what? There is a kid on Mercer's roster that's going to have to go up against Will Anderson Saturday. Will Anderson could pick up and displace Mercer football players wherever he wants to on a football field, so the uh, outcome is not in doubt, but Nick Saban's not worried about Saturday. He's worried about precedent and habits for the rest of his season, so he has not been overly thrilled with his team's reaction to their victory over Miami. So we're going to play the sound from the press conference earlier this week, and then I'll react to it. Listen to this. Uh, we got the scoreboard affects us, uh, who we're playing affects us, uh, the heat affects us, the media and what you guys write every day affects us. So, you know, to me, we got to prove uh, that we can play and maintain intensity for 60 minutes in the game execute, do our job, play hard, finish games, finish plays, do things the way we're supposed to do it. All right, what do we think about this? A lot of people had a lot to say about it. So what do we think about this? Um, Some people think that's an act. It's not. Uh, Some people think that is just planned and it's kind of scripted and Nick Saban's trying to get someone's attention, so he's just going to pretend like he cares about Mercer game week. It's not an act. I don't know if you guys have realized this yet. You don't keep up a facade of inauthenticity and achieve at the highest level for a decade and a half if everything's faked. It's not faked. It's real. He really does think like that. So I'm going to tell you a story in just a second about uh, the first time I ever was exposed to that kind of thinking. Life-changing. Totally life-changing. But we talk a lot about motivation 
And football players and coaches talk a lot about motivation. And I've been outspoken about my disdain for people who rely on disrespect to motivate them. Because eventually, the better you get, the quicker the well of disrespect runs dry. And you get to the top, and then no one's disrespecting you, and all of a sudden, you don't have that external factor to motivate you. Well, this is the total flip side. The total inverse of that mentality is the Nick Saban mentality. It's why I've always admired the way he runs his organization. They play same every week. They play to an equal standard every week. And that's because he, however he does it, he actually gets 18 and 19-year-old kids to not think in result-oriented fashion. He teaches people and actually gets them to adopt his mentality of don't worry about anything outside. Just do the same thing every week. Do the same thing every day. It's like the most easy, boring formula on the face of the earth. So boring that people think there must be something fancier out there. There must be something juicier, a little more fiery than that. No, no, some, someone, someone's questioned me over there. They disrespected me. I'll use that. Well, okay, you beat them. Then there's no more disrespect. What are you going to use next week? Where's the fuel? And so what his message always is, is if you just use the source that's inside you and you never have to worry about stuff outside, then you can always rest assured that you'll be able to perform at an equal level every week. So um, that's what he's talking about right now, because clearly they're not there. It's not going to matter against Mercer. But who knows how it will matter, how it could manifest itself down the road. Back when he got hired in 07, uh, they, I don't know if they still do it, but they used to do this summer tour where he would go around and he would speak in different cities. So they came to Columbus one year. It was very early on. It was probably one or two years into Saban's tenure. They come to uh, Columbus, where I was living. I'm working at the fabric warehouse. Can barely rub two dimes together. But got enough to get in, got a ticket. I went to listen to Nick Saban speak. Now, how the world is crazy. A decade later, he's been on this show a couple of times. Back then, I was paying money just like everyone else to go listen to him. And boy, it was worth it. That was the first night at the Columbus Convention and Trade Center that I ever heard someone talk about this mentality, the process-oriented mentality over the result-oriented mentality. I had heard the message before, but like so many people, it had gone in one ear and out the other. No one had spoken it in a way that related to me, I guess. So he did it that night, still vividly remember it, and... uh, it changed a lot of the way that I thought. I mean, I ended up getting back in school. I wasn't in school at the time. I ended up getting back in school, graduated, ended up getting in radio, which turned itself into TV, which turned itself into this. I learned to think like that. I learned to think in a process-oriented manner. And these days, I mean, there have been big things that you don't even know about that have happened for this show or for me personally over the last six months. That They're huge now. But they've been so inconsequential in the day-to-day process of how I go about things, I haven't even announced them. Contract extensions, raises, new things that are about to happen for the show, all that stuff's happened. I haven't even announced it. It's kind of like beating Miami. You just, all right. I mean, I'm happy it it occurred, but let's go back to work next day. Didn't even buy a new T-shirt. Just go back to work the next day. It is life-changing if you can ever evolve yourself into being able to think that way. But as it relates to this year in college football, because this is not a Tony Robbins convention, as it relates to this year in college football, you think you know Bama's going to win a national championship again. You don't. Do you remember this time last year? Week one to week two last year, there was a team that owned the headlines. There was a team that had a quarterback that was the early Heisman frontrunner after his week one performance. Does anyone here remember who it was? It wasn't Bama. It wasn't Ohio State. It was Mississippi State. 
they went into Death Valley and they ran and threw all over LSU. And I think the final was like 44 to 34. KJ Costello, yes, most recently seen on the backs of milk cartons, was the preseason and then after week one Heisman front runner. You don't know anything after week one is the point. And so you saw Bama last week and they totally, I mean, not only did they run over Miami, they put it in reverse and ran over them a couple of more times for good measure. You don't know how good they are. You don't know what kind of injury could crop up, but you also don't know what kind of vulnerabilities they may have that Miami wasn't capable of exposing, but Florida may be uh, two weeks from now, or, or A&M or Ole Miss may be. You don't know. The point is, you can afford to think like that because you sit at home or, or you stand on the sideline and you sit in the stands and you watch. If you're running the organization, you can't afford to think like that, and you doubly can't afford to let anyone else in the organization think like that. You can't watch the product and admire it, but then look at the way the leader produces the product and second-guess him. Like, what's his deal? It's just Mercer. It's not just Mercer. It's, it's a process independent of who you're playing Saturday. The opponent doesn't matter. It just is, just is the same way in your life. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you're, if you're a public speaker, speaking to 10 people or 10,000 people. You do it the same way. If you're about excellence, you just do it the same way. That's how you produce excellence eventually. So it's going to be really fun to watch this because I'm sure there are some people on that roster right now that get it already, and there are some people who don't get it. And normally you got to find out the hard way. You know, what he's trying to do is circumvent that. What he's trying to do is avoid having to learn it the hard way. But that's why when you see them lose, when you see Alabama lose, sometimes it's not the worst thing in the world. Saban knows they can afford a little bit of slack and still make a playoff, but he knows also when they lose, it's some of the best ammunition he'll ever have to get people's attention. And I'm not predicting them to lose a game, but I'm just saying if you've ever watched the way he goes about things, you know, when Bama loses, everyone else freaks out, and he'll just take his headset off, walk to the locker room, on to the next week. Um, it's just a different mentality. And it's so simple. It's the, the brilliance is in the simplicity. The brilliance of not focusing on the mountaintop, just focusing on the next step in the climb, that stuff sounds so boring, though. People think it's so much more complicated than that. I've sp- Last time we interviewed him, we were speaking before we actually went on air, and I was talking to him about that. And, you know, he'll tell you there's nothing about what we do in and of itself that is rocket science. There is not one individual thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you listen to their defensive calls and you've never put on a headset, that stuff will make your head swim. But philosophically, there is nothing we do that is reinventing the wheel. It's just that you do every single thing at an absurdly high level. And you've got a guy who is in charge and running things there that is able to operate at that capacity every single day and have his hand in every facet of the organization. And that's rare but theoretically, it's possible for everyone to do. It's possible for every program of a certain stature to do. If you have the resources, it's technically possible. But yet you're watching the best of all time, and that's why no one's matching it. Okay, let's move on here. I just wanted to touch on that for a second. Let me get my papers in order. Make sure I don't miss anything like we did a couple of weeks ago. So there are several games across the country that have not gotten their proper spotlight this week. So let's shine some spotlight on some of these week two games Washington is at Michigan. Michigan is favored by seven. This is a Saturday night, 8 o'clock Eastern time kickoff on ABC. Michigan played Western Michigan last week. It was a game that people kind of whispered. It was one of those games where people said, 
hey, watch out for Western Michigan. And they say it on like Wednesday so they can have it on the record. But then when Michigan won going away, you never hear about it again. It was one of those kind of games. Well, Michigan, not only did they win, they hung, uh, what was it, about eight yards per carry. They're not going to do that against Washington. I'm pretty sure they're not. So you combine that with the Ronnie Bell absence at wide receiver. And I think about the Ronnie Bell absence in conjunction with Xavier Worthy. Even though Worthy never played a down for Michigan, I planned on him being on this team this year. So I planned on Ronnie Bell, and I planned on Xavier Worthy. Neither one of them are there. And yet I plugged this game into the model, and our model not only likes Michigan to win, it likes Michigan to cover. I would imagine if that happens, it is a late pull-away add-on score cover, but that's where we are. I mean, Washington last week, the reason I worry about this, and I would never touch it, is they lost to Montana, and no one knows anything about Montana. Montana is a, a ridiculously good defensive team, and that will give Washington trouble all year long. They are not built to get margin on people. They're just not. They are not going to throw the ball up and down the field. Uh, they are, as a result, susceptible to that kind of thing. It doesn't mean they're a bad team. But I know perception right now is that, well, here we go. This game had all the air taken out of its balloon, and Washington's coming in. What are they really? The answer is they're the exact same team they were going into last week. They just got beat. They got upset. They got beat. We have Michigan winning this game. The model has Michigan covering. I'm not confident in that. I will tell you I'm going to take Michigan to win. And if you trust our model, which looks a little rickety on this game, then so be it. There are far better value bets out there. Uh, The second game I wanted to touch on is UAB at Georgia. This is a 3.30 Eastern time kickoff on ESPN2. Now, my question when I look at this is I wonder where would Bill Clark's team, that being UAB, of course, where would they rank on Georgia's schedule toughness-wise? Because Georgia plays Vanderbilt, obviously. Uh, You play Kentucky, you play Missouri, you play South Carolina, you play Tennessee. How's the East going to shake out this year? And where would UAB finish in the East? They wouldn't finish last. I don't think they'd finish second to last. So somewhere in between those teams, that's the kind of challenge you have coming in Saturday. Georgia, the line's been fluctuating. It was at 27, 25. The late news is JT Daniels is unlikely to play in this game with what figures to be an oblique injury. Now, it's been easier to get news out of North Korea than it has to get injury updates out of Athens, Georgia this week. It's not even a joke. And uh, so no one really knows, but I don't expect him to play. And with that in mind, what are we seeing? We're seeing Carson Beck Saturday. I don't doubt that Georgia's got a couple of quarterbacks that they could play and they could win this game with. But what we start to watch with Georgia is we start to watch the kinds of game plans that they go into Saturdays with offensively. And when they went into the Clemson game last week, I think it's totally reasonable to theorize that they realized early on they didn't have to open up the playbook and they could just sledgehammer their way to a win, and they did. Okay, that's great. Is that going to be the recipe 12 weeks out of the year? No. And eventually, they're going to have to exercise a little bit more of this passing game. Is this the kind of game that they are going to do that in? I don't know. I don't know, because I could easily see uh, some uncertainty at quarterback early on in this one. UAB's a very good team in their own right, so it's not like you're dictating terms here. UAB's going to have something to say about this. Uh, we got Georgia winning. I'll take UAB in the points. I, I got, got them at 26, I think. Uh, right now it's at 24 and a half. I'm seeing that number on our board. I, I would take UAB in anything above 24. That is not an official play. That's just where I would lean there. Uh, survive and advance. Just win and advance. That's Georgia's mentality this week. Speaking of sneaky games, this one's a lot sneakier. App State is at Miami. 
this Saturday. This is a 7 o'clock kickoff on ESPNU. The line is now up to 9. When we were talking the other night, it was at 7. So someone's betting some money on the Canes. It was not me. I really went back and dug into the Miami-Alabama game again. I wanted to watch Miami. Everyone, if you watch the replay, you're watching Bama. I wanted to watch Miami. I don't know how to tell you this because it sounds stupid, but when they were down 41-3, to I legitimately found myself thinking, Derek King's played a pretty good game. I know that sounds out of this world. That's just how good Bama played the other last week. De'Eric King did not play bad at all. There were very, very tight windows to try and throw the ball in. He got harassed all afternoon and still hung in the pocket and made some difficult throws at times, and they got blown out. Now, what I'm telling you is all that means is Miami can't hang with Alabama. They could win the rest of their games for all we know. This is not a bad team. We probably bumped them a little bit too far in the JP poll. We should not have bumped them. So I will disagree with the model again on that. It's the model's fault when we're wrong. It's my, uh, it's my fault when we're right. So then we look at the schedule here. It's obvious why this number's where it is. This is a balanced app state offense now. So what's getting tested this week is not Derek King. What's getting tested this week is Miami. Specifically, up front, can't get pushed around again. Secondary, tackling, you can't have those issues in week two. They got to win this game. I mean, for obvious reasons, they got to win this game. We have got Miami winning. We think the number's right. Eight and a half or nine is what the model has it at. So I, I'll, I'll take Miami to win and cover. There is no strong feel here. It's, it kind of feels like the Georgia UAB game, except the number's a lot tighter. Survive and advance. They got Michigan State coming in next week. Start to build something. Make this your week one. Learn from last week. Make this your week one. Here is a fun one. This one's getting more on the radar as the week goes on. North Carolina State in Starkville to take on Mississippi State. The Wolfpack, as of now, you could find minus one out there. You could find minus two and a half out there. The number's all over the place. But the important thing to note is, as of this Thursday evening, NC State's favored at Mississippi State. Do we think they should be? Well, apparently all of America does. I went on Twitter about, what, five o'clock today, and I said, have I missed it? Is anyone out there picking Mississippi State? I mean, NC State, as far as my anecdotal observations, has been the most public pick slash bet of the week on a game where the number's under a field goal. It's one thing if you're betting a, or picking a four-touchdown favorite. This game, at least according to the odds, is supposed to be razor tight. And I'm in a classic early season conundrum because you know what my propensity and anyone with good sense propensity should be when you see an entire herd That's exactly what people look like when they're on the same side. A herd of people just rushing towards a one-point favorite, waving their money in their hand. You know where you're supposed to go. But here's the problem. I agree with them. I think NC State's going to win the game. I think it's a horrible matchup offensively for Mississippi State. I think this defensive staff at NC State, you look at some of their history, tailor-made. To defend this offense, nothing's going to surprise them. They know exactly what they have defensively, and they know exactly what they're facing. And also, they can run the ball. And that's what Louisiana Tech could not do last week. I think NC State's going to win. I'll take them to cover. I hate being in this spot. I mean, I, I wish the rest of you would get on the other side of the fence so I could feel a little more comfortable over here. But I, I can't. I mean, there, there, is no, there is no quantifiable metric that says when everyone's over there, that changes the outcome of a game. I just don't like it when everyone's over there. But I'm going to go with NC State anyway. Uh, here's another one. Uh, this, this, to me, is the most underrated game of the weekend. Missouri at Kentucky. This is a 730 
Eastern time kickoff. It's on SEC Network. I would strongly encourage you to check this game out. The total has ballooned this week, four or five points. It's at 56 right now. I still don't think it's high enough. I'm, I don't like being late on numbers, but I still think the over is to play here, even at 56. But let's talk about this. Tyler Beatty needs a big game. That's the running back for Missouri. Needs a big game. Had one last week, but he needs to keep Kentucky off the field because all of a sudden we have to talk about Kentucky's passing game and Will Levis and this up-tempo, uh, dare I say high-octane after one week offense they're running. Uh, here's what we've seen in the past. I got a sneaking suspicion about this game. There is no data that is guiding this, mind you, but I've got a sneaking suspicion about this game. I did this one time last year, and it paid off big. I think it was West Virginia. It was a West Virginia game. I just flat-out predicted turnovers. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think that I watched Missouri last week. I watched some of their game. They ended up with nine sacks. They can pressure the quarterback. Uh, Kentucky's feeling really good about this passing game right now. What I think is if that Missouri ground game can get off to a decent start, and or if they can grab the lead, start limiting possessions, it could create just enough urgency on that Kentucky side to where they make just enough bad decisions at quarterback to where they turn the ball over just enough times to where not only does Missouri cover this five and a half, I'm going to pick Missouri to pull a mild upset in Lexington. So I'll take Mizzou plus points and I will take the Tigers to win. I do not advise you to predict turnovers. This is strictly a gut thing. Uh, Our model disagrees with what I just said. Our model likes Kentucky to cover. So I'm going against the model a lot this week, actually. But none of these are official picks, mind you. It's just kind of a a little opinion that I'm giving you. Also, Pitt at Tennessee, another one of those ACC games where they're in an SEC building and the ACC team is the small favorite. That's right. Close your eyes, children. It wasn't always this way, but Pitt is favored in Neyland Stadium by three. This is a noon kickoff. Director Collin does not predict Neyland to be sold out. He does not predict Neyland to be overflowing, uh, but should be a good crowd there nonetheless. This is going to be a really good game. Uh, it's a really good noon window game too. The big unknown here is can Tennessee run the ball successfully? Because last week against Bowling Green was no kind of test at all. And this week is. I mean, this is a very, very, this is probably safe to say a top 10 to top 15 caliber run defense in the country. And Pitt, uh, it could be better. I'm being conservative with that. If Pitt earns the right to rush the passer in this game, meaning if Tennessee can't move the chains and they're constantly behind the eight ball, third and seven plus, Pitt will win this game. No question about it, because that pass rush will get after Joe Milton. Uh, He is not through one sample size against one of the worst defenses on God's green earth in Bowling Green, has not shown that he has made some quantum leap on touch passes. Still a work in progress. Uh, Pitt can really mess you up. They can really mess you up. So the only answer there is make sure we're dealing with third and twos and not third and sevens. Director Collin and I are disagreeing here. Director Collin's rolling with Tennessee. I had Tennessee written down, and then I scribbled through it, and I wrote Pitt. I closed my eyes when I did it. I have no feel on the point spread whatsoever, but I'm taking Pitt to win narrowly. And if Tennessee wins, then that's great. And that means they're ahead of schedule. It's funny, though, if you look at it, you would think, oh, these two know nothing about each other. Pitt never plays Tennessee. Well, that may be true. But Pat Narduzzi, who is the head coach at Pitt, has faced Josh Heupel a couple of times at UCF in the past few years. Uh, Banks is the defensive coordinator at Tennessee. And I think he was at Penn State. And they play Pitt every year. So there is a striking, uh, maybe even a shocking amount of familiarity between these two staffs. Uh, Josh Heupel said it doesn't matter this week. 
So I'm not going to waste any more time talking about that. Uh, that is our show. Make sure you are following on Twitter and Instagram, at Late Kick Josh. I have got a strong feeling that the Ramen Noodle Express is not done. We may add on a few more cars at some point between now and Saturday morning, so make sure you're checking it out. Also, the super secret off the record, can't mention it, Instagram Live late night Friday chat. Could be 11.30, could be 11.45, could be 12. I'll give you a little bit of a heads up. You know where to look. Uh, until then, for Director Colin, for our entire crew in Fort Lauderdale, I'm Josh Pate. Thanks for watching. It's been a great week. Let's make it a great week, and I will see you guys in Iowa Saturday morning. Until then, take care. Thanks for watching, and God bless you.